I'm Deontay Burton, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Hamadou Diallo. Hey, I'm Danilo Gallinari. I'm Chris Paul, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Luke Dort, and I'm down to Dort. What's Dort? I, I'm not going to lie. I don't know what that was. In English, bro. I'm Darius Baisley, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Shake Gilders Alexander. I'm Steven Adams. I'm Andre Robertson, and I'm down to dunk. Yeah. On you. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schleck. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Woo, late night pod, Alex. You Thunder Ooh, beat the it. Rockets. Game six. Alex, the Thunder won this game. It's it's truly amazing. <laughs> I, I did not. I, was, I wasn't confident at any point in that game, really. No. There, there was that one point in the third quarter where I think they got up by eight. Yeah. And that was, I more just felt like a slightly more relaxed. Like, it was like, oh, this is kind of nice. Like, I know they're <laughs> going to come back, but this is pretty cool. I get like a few minutes to just relax until they inevitably come back. <laughs> I know. And until Billy the three must, barrage Billy, starts. Yeah, Billy must have heard me because he's like, I got to get Dort and Adams back out there on the court. <laughs> this is Dort. Getting, this is getting away from us. <laughs> Good Dort night, by the way. Really it, nice. It was, it was a great Dort night. I mean... <laughs> Anytime you get two threes from Dort, and especially when you get them back-to-back. And that was at a point in the game where the, the lineup out there, it, you know, the game was close. Mm-hmm. I, think that, I think that was when they had come back. It was right around when it was like 71-70, right around there. Yeah. And it just felt like it was a tipping point. Like it could go the Rockets' way like any second. Like you were just waiting for them to explode. And those two threes like just really kept them in it even though it was like basically a tie game. So it wasn't like mm-hmm. we were playing catch up or anything, but they felt huge because it was Dort. Yeah. Dort threes feel like 10 points. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. That was so crazy. I, I can't believe it. Like four minutes left. 401. Harden shoots a technical. Mm-hmm. By the way, BS technical. That was, I was so technical. mad. I was. Chris Paul, come on. I, I was throw, I was throwing things. I, was, I can't remember what I threw. I think I threw a uh, a wooden train track upstairs wow. at my house. Yeah, I was very I was very mad. <laughs> and uh, so four hundred one, he makes that technical. They're up by six points. Yeah, and just the way this series has gone, when the Rockets get up by six, it's like it would have to just go absolutely perfect for us to not just pull even, but then to get ahead. Yeah. And it just happened. It did. <laughs> it, it just, just proceeded happened. to happen. <laughs> and it happened because, I mean, on the Rockets side, I already tweeted this out, but I think Russ was like one for three, one of those being an insane air ball, like oh, Terrence just, Ferguson level air ball. Yeah, yes, exactly. That's what it would have, it would have looked exactly like that if the Thunder <laughs> said, hey, Ferg, get in here, clutch shot for you, baby. <laughs> And and Harden, to his credit, made like an amazing play because none of the Thunder players went for it. But yeah. Russ also had two turnovers, a key one being that one with 12 seconds left. And then, but Harden, it wasn't like Harden was amazing either. I think that those clips, I don't know if you saw them, that Chris Vernon tweeted out oh, of like it's... three plays towards the end of the game. It is crazy. Harden's standing like almost near half court. Like so, at some moments, he's not even on the screen. Backing so away from, away the, from ball. the ball. Backing yeah. away, like actively taking himself out of the play. And this is what cracks me up so much because, okay, Red94, who I like a lot, Rockets tweeter, a few games ago, 
after game four, remember they lost. Yeah. He said, I hate doing this because he has done everything for us, but I've been saying this for a few years. This is why the Rockets signed CP3 and traded for Rush. James Harden isn't the guy that's going to close it out for you. Those are the guys that will. Today, Houston had neither of them. Then tonight, he says, I don't understand the sentiment I'm seeing on my timeline from Rockets fans about the other players letting James Harden down. As clearly the best player, why was he not taking the game by the reins himself? Why is he deferring? It's like on the one hand, they realize that he is not this guy, even though he's one of the best scorers in the history of the league. Mm -hmm. He is not the playoff closer that we associate with other players who have been gotten that title, you know? Mm -hmm. On the other hand, like they're super frustrated as they should be because it's like, it's James Harden. He's one of the best scorers in the league. Why is he not shooting the ball at the end of the game? Like, why does he not have control of the offense? And so they're like going back and forth and I think maybe tonight they realize that perhaps Russ, and especially perhaps Russ at not 100%, is not the closer that they were looking for. Uh, no, the closer they were looking for was the guy that had 28 points, zero turnovers, three steals, three assists, seven Ooh, boards, no. 10 of 20 from the field, three of six from three, five of five from the free throw line. Who did that? Who did it? Uh, sounds like an ex-rocket. A former Rocket. They had him. They had him. They decided, no, that's not for us. We want the guy that blew it in the playoffs against Portland. We want the guy that had to get into this vindictive battle with Ricky Rubio. We want that guy. That's the guy that we want for our playoff run. And I'm sorry, guys. Like, Listen, Russell did great things. He won the MVP. He helped the Thunder win many, many playoff series. Help them get to the NBA Finals. He was great. I don't know. I don't understand people coming to his side right now after what happened the past two years. I just don't get it. I don't, I just, I don't get it. And we saw it again tonight. I know there's a lot of rust with Russ right now. A lot. And he's got to work that, he's got to work that, that out for the Rockets to, to have any prayer of winning game seven. He's got to work that out. But you give him the you give him the ball when he's clear. His timing is off. Everything is off. And, and you have to be reminded he's never dealt with an injury like this before in his career. It's always been a knee. It's always been a finger. It's always been somebody punching him in the face. <laughs> it has never been a muscle injury, and it has it is clearly messing with him because it, his his passing accuracy very very bad. He turned the ball over seven times, seven that you just, I mean, Russ has had high turnover games, but man, I mean, that's, that's, it's bad. It's bad. I mean, and you know, the Rockets may come in and win game seven, but if you're closing the game, if it's a close game, you have to bet on the thunder because you saw, like you said, you saw James Harden shrink and you saw Russell Westbrook be the Russell Westbrook. He has been the past two years. That's what he was. And I think if you're a Rockets fan, like you'd rather just go down with the James Harden ship. Like just give of the course. ball to James and let him figure something out. And if it, if it doesn't work out, fine, and you'll take what comes from that, which would be bad. Everyone would jump on Harden if he was, if he was the one taking every single shot and making every single decision. But I think that's what you have to do at this point because 
you know, maybe Russ was that guy when he was the second banana to like a Kevin Durant. Yeah. But where he is right now, like it, it's so weird because you see so many tweets, or at least I do because I follow some Rockets people, <laughs> where people are saying like, man, Russ looks ex- as explosive as ever. And I don't, I just, he does not look the same to me. And, and no, he's Mike not Dan- the same. Mike yeah. D'Antoni was saying, <laughs> Mike D'Antoni, they, they read some quote from him during the game that was like, you know, Russ isn't just good. Like, I think he's better. Like, I, I, think, I think he got injured, but he got like better. He's like 110% now. I don't get that. I mean, that's obviously some like posturing, right? It has a, to be because it's some odd posturing that is clearly not working out for the Rockets. It's not the same guy. Like he can still drive to the paint and pass out. Like those plays are there, but we saw it numerous times tonight, including that very last turnover where like the passes just aren't on target at all. And no. it's not even it's not even close enough where the guy can like stumble or like reach for it. Like they're way off. Yeah. Well, and from somebody that studied Russell Westerk's passing accuracy, Michele Barra. Michele, what do you think of, of Russ oh, tonight? Oh, what time is it there? Hey guys, it's seven AM. So wow. my day just started and it's a good day. Apparently. <laughs> what, what time did you wake up to watch the game? 445. Wow. It was worth it though, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Totally worth it. I mean, the passing was abysmal from Russ, not just the turnovers. I mean, he had some pretty bad passes, but even the ones that kind of reached the target were completely off. I vividly remember a play where he just drew to the, drew to the basket and basically uh, had an outlet pass to PJ Tucker in the corner. Tucker was wide open but the ball was at, at ankles level. And like we, we, in that study that Andrew mentioned, uh, we noticed that the ball, when the ball is too low, your percentage are basically the worst. You really, it's really the worst way to pass the ball to a, to a shooter because he has to really bend and then completely throws him completely off of rhythm. And so, yeah, Russ passing was so, so weird. I remember that play because... Tucker was wide open. And if that had yeah. if that pass had just been like kind of good, it didn't even have to be great. If it was just kind of good and he was able to get into a rhythm, he would have probably made that. But it was so off that like Tucker had to recover and then he just ended up having to pass it out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes pass can can really throw you off of rhythm. And I mean, Russ was not good. I don't know what happened to him, but it cr- clearly something was bothering him uh, on some level, or he just had like a bad game period. Like, yeah. it's not that we never seen him doing stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. In OKC. Yeah, of course. Okay, back to OKC. We can stop crapping on Russ for five seconds. We can move back to it if you want to here in a little bit. <laughs> in a little bit. Uh, Chris Paul was incredible. Uh, a nice bounce back game for Gallinari. He had finished with twenty five points, four of nine. From three and had some big time stretches during the game where he just took over where he and there was a there was a point in the third quarter where he and, and Harden were trading buckets that was really fun uh, and then Darius Baisley just continues to impress when it felt like the Thunder were like getting out of the game completely he comes in and he gets to the free throw line like over and over again and he's driving he's making good decisions he had some really nice passes he finished with eight points, nine boards, three assists. I thought, 
I thought his minutes were crucial off the bench. I thought that he just he played really well. He just continues to to impress with not only his production but like just his versatility. And I mean, he made. I mean, he he could have just played the Terrence Ferguson role for those few minutes that Ferg was out there because Ferg, poor Ferg, man, like he's just useless so on the court. Like he's just not <laughs> he's just not good at all. I mean, there's just man. like there's is there. There's just not a redeemable quality about him on the court right now. And that doesn't mean like that's forever for him. I know he's had a, a tough year, but like right now, I mean, my goodness, like he's just not any good. Um, but Baisley was great. I thought that he was great. I thought Schroeder obviously didn't shoot the ball well, but he had some nice moments as well. But um, yeah, Bays, the just impressed with Bays. His, his aggressiveness on the offensive end was great, but then he had those two back to back defensive plays on Eric Gordon. Yep. One where yeah. he was one where it was one on one, and then another one where he came behind him and blocked it. Mm-hmm. And then not too long later, there was that awesome play where Dort gets it in the corner, has a wide open three, decides not to take it, drives in. Meanwhile, Baisley runs to the exact same corner. Dort passes to him, and he hits the corner three. Like it, something like simple like that. Like Baisley just like knows where to be, and uh, it's offensive, it's defensive. And you you keep seeing it, Andrew. People are talking about Bays. Smart people are tweeting about Bays. They're getting on the hype train. <laughs> I think Seth yeah. Hartnow tweeted about him tonight. Yeah, I mean, he's smart. <laughs> Seth is smart, and Baisley is smart. And I like your comment about his positional awareness, like the fact that he knows where to be. And this is not just defense and offense. Uh, the rebounding part is also driven by his position awareness because it's not that nine rebounds just fell on your head and you just have to raise your hands. You really need to be in the right position, especially against a team like the Rockets that like generate the, probably the, ran, the most randomness in terms of rebound. You get long rebounds, you get short rebounds, you get everything because they shoot so many trees. And so for him to be able to grab nine in 22 minutes, it's really impressive. He just really knows where to be on the court. And that is so valuable. The play that you described, Alex, was was really beautiful because he recognized that Dort um, had an intention to drive. So he relocated immediately to A, space the floor, not uh, allowing the, the defender to, to go and help, and B, to place himself in the best position to get the ball and to eventually get a quality shot. Like to being able to realize all that at the age of 20, in like in this NBA, the that we're basically spacing and being able to understand uh, the space on the court is probably the, the most valuable thing that a young player can have together with defense. And Baisley has kind of both, plus a very nice stroke. Yeah, his shot, his shots really come along this yeah. year. I mean, it's it, I'm to the point where I feel pretty comfortable with him taking threes, and I thought it would take a while to get there, but. He's, he seems to to be there right now. Uh, speaking of threes, we talked about these earlier, but these these Dort threes and and Chris's comments after the game were just really interesting because his his message to Lou after the last game was, "Hey, if they back off of you, shoot it, shoot the ball," which probably would not have been my message to him. <laughs> so if they back off of you, find somebody else. You would, you would have said you can shoot it three to four times. And the, the fifth time, please do anything else. Just shuffle it off. Uh, and to lose credit, like he, he did 
they did try some different things with him. Like he did drive the lane more. He did try to attack a bit more rather than just taking whatever open three came to him. Uh, and those yeah. two threes were just timely. And they were just, they were big time. <clears throat> and he played with foul trouble at the beginning of the game, uh, but then was able to come back in. And he just made a huge impact in the second half. Huge impact. Sorry, this, this is my son talking. He's awake with me here late at night because he's scared of the storm, this thunderous storm outside. And so he's hanging out doing the pod with me. Yeah, I mean, the fact that Chris is supportive is what a teammate uh, teammates should do. Um, the coaching staff, I'm sure, uh, made an effort to, to show Lou what other option he has there. Uh, it was really good in trying to find Gallo early on in the game. I mean, Gallo missed a bunch of good looks, but the intention was there. And it's so important uh, for a team to to see like a young player like him. He could have, like, you can be down after a game like game five. You can play in a different way. And Lou, yes, he played in a different way, but in a better way. To have, again, a rookie that, a two-way rookie, it can play like this in an elimination game. Um, it's it's really impressive because the defense was good. Um, the and all the other things that he did on the court were pretty impressive. He played less. Um, Credit to Billy to to find other solution to the James Harden problem, James Harden problem, and to play the lineup that really works. I mean, uh, I know Alex that we discussed a lot the fact that the. The three-point guard lineup is the only one that that really works, and I think that Billy made like try to to put the three-point guard together on the court as much as he could tonight. Well, you know, I, I don't know if he's. I, I was gonna go look it up and I forgot to whether he had played it in other games, but he did the three-point guard with Baisley tonight um, yeah. for a short stretch, which I don't know if they had done before. I but think an, they did, another, not for another, long stretches though. Yeah, another look I would enjoy seeing more of. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd love to see. I mean, I was advocating to see Baisley and Gallinari on the court together. Um, that happened tonight. Not in the way I expected it to, to happen. But Was that like the big was, lineup? Yeah, but that lineup, I mean, if Baisley is able to guard like he does, it, it's not really different. I mean, he provides a little bit of spacing. He provides rebounding. And so why not? I mean, I think that you can there and try to to use Gallo and Baisley as your four or five combo uh, especially if like every every guard has it from three um, you can it could be a fun lineup but um, but yeah at least uh, he gave him 22 minutes uh, and I think he deserved more I mean Baisley really deserved to play those 22 I, I don't know if he can play more than that because I mean you have to play other guys but still the 22 minutes were, were great. We didn't I'm looking court. at the uh, box score right now. Did not realize that Lou Dort had more points than Dennis Schroeder and Shea Gilgis Alexander. <laughs> yeah, I, Dennis I had a rough think, shot shooting, rough night shooting-wise. He did. I was more worried about Shea's night. In fact, there was yeah. a few moments where I thought the game was over. One of them, do you remember that? I think it was like a three-on-one fast break towards oh, the yeah. end of the game. And oh, yeah. Shea just didn't go up with it, and he passed it to Adams, and it just didn't work out. And then they didn't get the rebound. I thought that was I thought that was the play that was going to end the game. Like I thought yeah. this was their shot, and they blew it. 
I really felt that way. I mean, they had to convert that. They had many chances to, and they couldn't yeah. get it. And then Russ com- and then Russ was able to finish at the other end. I thought, okay, well, there's the game. And, uh, and yet. And, and I felt like Shea just throughout the d- game was kind of like that, which is weird because it does seem like his aggressiveness is kind of just game to game. I, I can't really – I mean, maybe you could tell, McKelly, if there was something different they did with Shea, because Shea has obviously been good in this series, but he kind of just disappeared in this game for whatever reason. And thankfully, you know, guys like Gallo and Dort stepped up to fill in that scoring load. Live sports are back. It's very possible that we may see an NBA playoff matchup between the Clippers and the Nuggets. Jamal Murray... I know he heard this ad before. Didn't think he heard it in the first few games. He's definitely heard it because he knows that he wants to help out Manscaped. Because he wants to see your nuggets as safe as possible when that matchup happens. Manscaped is here to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. The Lawnmower 3.0 is the best hygiene tool for the modern man. Because of their ceramic blade and skin safe technology, your snags will be reduced. They actually just released their Shears 2.0 Nail Kit, which is a perfect add-on to their Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. The Shears 2.0 is a luxury four-piece nail kit featuring tempered stainless steel tools, and it includes slash-tipped tweezers, rounded point scissors, fingernail clippers, and a medium grit nail file. Their Perfect Package 3.0 with the new and improved Lawnmower Waterproof Cordless Body Trimmer Performance boxer briefs. The performance boxer briefs, by the way, delightful. Wearing them now, very comfortable. And a travel bag for you to use when we're done quarantining. The Perfect Package 3.0 also comes with a crop preserver and crop reviver. The crop preserver is an anti-chipping ball deodorant. And the crop reviver is a spray-on toner. It's made with soothing aloe and witch hazel extracts. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code THEATHLETIC20. Take your grooming game to the next level. I think that... The fourth quarter was pretty bad, um, not just for the fast break, but in general, he was not that aggressive. But early in the game, he had a, a few backups here and there that really made a difference for OKC. I know that we want him to score 20, to be the focal point of the offense, but when the defense of the Rockets is completely packed, I think that OKC has to do something else. Um, and... And that takes away, sometimes it takes away aggressiveness, especially when the team cannot run. Um, and this game was probably, I have to check the pace, but I bet it will not be a high pace game uh, for both teams. And it's the first time that OKC can get the better uh, side um, of Houston uh, playing this slow. They really played a lot in half court. I don't know how many points, uh, probably five or six they had in transition. And so it's really hard for Shea to make a difference in games like that, uh, especially if, um, I mean, again, if the Rockets plays, play basically his own defense against him. It's really tough. But he was good in terms of finding others. He had six assists, uh, which is a good number for him, especially when he doesn't have the other part of his offense going. Can I uh, read you guys some uh, posts from uh, Rockets Reddit? 
I was about to say, Alex, it's, it's, time, it's that time of the show where you can oh. take over and tell us Daddy. all the things that the Rockets Daddy. are talking about. Daddy. Well, I guess we should start with what uh, <laughs> Ben DeBose tweeted out in the middle of that game. <laughs> I know. I knew that you were Which, going by there. the way, when I saw that tweet, I probably saw it a little later, but when I saw that tweet, I, I went to the box score and the teams had literally the same number of fouls and literally the same number of free throws. But he, he had tweeted out, it's almost like there's a big financial incentive for a game seven or something. Oh Just as gosh. a reminder, oh, I, was wow. blocked. I was blocked for accusing him of being a conspiracy theorist. And look what happened. Look what I get for that. <laughs> um, okay, so I'm on, I'm on a Rockets Reddit right now. Just to give you guys a little taste of what Rockets fans are talking about. Harden clearly, all caps, isn't a closer. Not Russ's fault. The comment he made after the Game 5 win at the late fourth quarter turnover pass in Game 4 and now basically not wanting the ball at all in this loss. Russ is obviously still hurt and was rushed back because we can't close out OKC. If James Harden can just boss up and be the MVP for Game 7, we can advance. Boss up, James. You guys think he's going to boss up? So there are actually people complaining with Harden after a game like this? Well, with Harden, wow. of course. Did you see? Did you see uh, Chris Vernon's clips from the end of the game? Harden is uh, like at mid court. He is not yeah, involved in the play at all. Yeah, I know. Uh, that was a bad call for, from him. I want him to get the ball. I don't care. Like you are the best player on the court. You have to to take a step back and and, and close out the game like that. He called or, Russ the like, leader of their team after the last game. He said he's our leader. That's weird. Well, Mattel, you, so sound, you sound like user uh, Almighty Denim Chicken, who says Harden <laughs> doesn't demand the ball in the clutch. We can't blame Brody all we want, but Harden, or we can blame Brody all we want, but Harden disappeared once again. He is the best player on this team, the player who averages 40-plus points over a several-month span, the greatest ISO player of all time, and he doesn't do what CP3 just did and just take control. <laughs> oh, man. They are, uh, they are it fired is, up. It is just, cra- it is crazy. I mean, just oh. everything that's taken place over the past year. With, now, here's, with both here's a real teams. question. This, wild. Is, this is a smart question. This is a good, uh, it's kind of like a dunked on question, you know, so get out your, uh, your cap hats. Uh, hardened trade scenario. If we decide to blow it up in the oh, wow. season, who are we some trade targets for Harden? Could we manage to get assets back for Westbrook and Gordon? <laughs> Man, oh my this is, god it is so nice i mean it's nice and it's bad to be on the other side of this because being on the other side means you don't really feel like you're you're a contender like you can't have championship aspirations anymore but on the other hand you don't just get beat down by your team which that's what's happening to rockets fans right now we've been there you know especially like the last two years especially so i i I almost empathize with them while also enjoying in their torture. Yeah, it's, I mean, thinking about trading Harden is the craziest. Well, let's, let's try to, to, to try to talk about this in a serious way. (laughs) So you want to take uh, that man to the trade machine? Today's episode is brought to you by untitled community service club. If you like comedy, you're going to love this fully improvised comedy show. Nothing is planned. 
Everything is made up on the spot, from the characters and their personalities to the entire storyline as a whole. The show follows Coach and Sid, who are two former high school bullies, and their transition not only to college life and what that entails, but also to become better people. Each episode features a unique guest that Coach and Sid try their best to help in any way they can. Season 1 airs September 1st, and you can listen to it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. That's the Untitled Community Service Club. Take a listen on September 1st if you want a real good laugh. No, not yet. But, I mean, what's... Suppose that they win game seven. Um, they go ahead. They, they probably lose against the Lakers because the Lakers are quite good and they will probably cannot play the same way they did with the thund- against the Thunder um, in terms of defense because Anthony Davis is not the same as Steven Adams in terms of post touches and, and, and whatnot. So it will be different. Um, what's the outlook of this team for next year? Well, that's the huge thing because... We have now, and, and to be fair, it's not like we've had a long experiment with this. You know, this experiment really started right around the trade deadline. They had this short spurt with it where it looked amazing. Then for whatever reason, a lot of people think it's because the guys started getting tired. It, we started to see the cracks in it. But then they came back in the bubble, and all of a sudden it looked amazing again. They were playing best defense they've ever played. And it's not hard to wonder how this would hold up during a full regular season, which, hey, maybe we don't even get a full regular regular season uh, next year. But the big thing for me is that it is a contract year, a final year for like a 35-year-old P.J. Tucker, who every single game I watch of this team, he comes across as the most important player for like numerous yeah. reasons, not just what mm-hmm. he does on the court. He, he feels like he is the heart and soul of this team. And he's going to be 36 at some point going into his next contract. And I don't know what you do. I don't know how you replace someone like him because his skills are so specific. He has Mm -hmm. such a specific body type that works for this small ball. And they have no other backup plans. You know, they have Tyson Chandler who's allowed to come in and shoot free throws, shoot a technical foul shot. They have nothing else. There's no Mm -hmm. one behind Tucker. Yeah. And so long-term, I'm feeling really negative because the other thing you have to factor in is whether they lose in Game 7 to the Thunder or if they lose in the second round to the Lakers, assuming they don't go on and win, that would change everything. But, you know, if they lose in the first or second round, you have to assume that Dan Tony's gone. And I think you have to consider the possibility that Maury's gone. And if if that happens, then I think whoever's going to come in isn't going to just revert back to small ball. Because I think small ball is like a huge risk and a new, a new GM would not want to risk his career on small ball, even if it might be their best option right now. Yeah, with assets, you don't have to necessarily go in small ball mood, like in, school, in small ball all the time. There are players like Brooke Lopez out there. I mean, not as quite as talented as Brooke Lopez, but at least you have players that can give you an ex, like Aaron Baines can play center for the Rockets and being okay because he shoots trees. Right. And like you have players like that that you can find that can play a role for you, uh, can space the court for you and, and do stuff like that. Heck, they could try to get Jeremy Grant 
this summer. Um, and in some way, I don't know if, if cup-wise it is doable um, to play small ball center. At least it's six eight, six nine, and did that for a team in the past. I don't know. There are ways, but they are really tight in, in terms of assets. They don't have much to offer. And so it's... I would not trade James Harden. Um, I would try my best to like mortgage my future to give him another chance uh, to to play with other guys to maybe not move on from Russ because I, I see that as probably impossible. And I think it's impossible, but I mean, you know what I mean? It's It would be really hard. It will take like a lot of assets to, Which they don't to get off really of have at this point. Yeah, exactly. Well, you, you can always uh, give OKC back all the, unpro- like give the pick to OKC with no protection. And say, please take Russ back. <laughs> well, you can do that. Take um, Russ back. Exactly. Uh, what, what a steal that would be. What if What if they traded Russ, swapped Chris Paul and Russ back, and then got all the protections wiped away? <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine? That would be unbelievable. I guess I would uh, do that. No, for Gallo. You can do a sign trade for Gallo, back Russ to OKC, and you give us the two picks with no protection, and the swaps with no protection. I would do that in a heartbeat. Yeah. Because I'm sure that in two years, there will be a, like some sort of amnesty provision. Uh, and, and, and even if you don't, I mean, who cares? I mean, you have that many picks with no protection. You, you're going to get something. <laughs> Game seven is wins there. Yeah. And we are talking about hardened trades. Nice. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. It's all fun. This and by is the way, the- I'm I'm still just as scared for Game Seven. I'm still expecting the Rockets to win. Yeah, same. In the same yeah. way that I expected them to win this game the entire time. I mean, look at the three games the Thunders have, the Thunder have won. Like none of them were blowouts. Like when they got up by eight, it just it feels so weird because mm-hmm. they, yeah. they just cannot blow this team out they they will never be able to like put the rockets away and if they ever did especially in a game seven that that would be like i'm not gonna say it i'm not gonna say it but you know what i'm thinking talking about dreams you know uh <laughs> man yeah don't would, say it don't i'm not gonna it. say it i'm not gonna say it but that would be cool but yeah like <laughs> if the thunder win i'm expecting it to be another one of these insane heartburn games yeah i mean it just would have to be I mean, so what do the Thunder have to do to win a game seven? So, to, I mean, tonight, the the Rockets only shot 34% from three. Like, that's obviously like a recipe to to beating them. Start. 22 turnovers is also, I mean, like, that's re- that was re- really it, right? I mean, getting them to cough the ball up 22 times was a huge part of this. Yeah. And if they can... And some and a lot of them were just self-inflicted. It wasn't like the Thunder were the Thunder played better defense certainly tonight than they yeah, did they, in game 5. The defense was worlds better. But a lot of them were self-inflicted. Like Harden just Harden and Westbrook just threw the ball away several times. And does that happen again? I don't know. Like I'm just I'm not counting on like a lot, a lot of these things happening again. I'm not counting on 34% from 3 again uh from this team. Uh, I don't know. I think it's interesting. And Russ just throws like a really interesting wrinkle to this team where he's clearly not full speed and it's not 
helpful to them. He did have 17 points, three assists, four boards, but I just, I think he was just a net negative overall for the team and uh, really detracted from what they were doing well, which was just spreading the court, giving the ball to James Harden and Eric Gordon and let them go create. Because he just doesn't have that same burst to get all the way to the rim. And even Eric Gordon has shown like more, more of that than, than Russ has over the last couple games. But I think, I mean, it'd be, it'd be very interesting. And also back-to-back games or like back, getting back into that flow, does P.J. Tucker have the same energy? He played 38 minutes tonight. Uh, Robert Covington, and Robert Covington was awesome tonight. Uh, he, 18 points, five steals, three blocks, five boards, four, six, and three. That dude was awesome tonight. The, the off-ball defense was sensational. Yeah, he was tremendous. Like the way he played the passing lane was was just insane. Just yeah. insane. Yeah, he's so good. Like, do those guys, I mean, they have to expend so much energy. And you know, I guess you can ask the same of Chris Paul. I mean, Chris Paul played 40 minutes tonight. And they, the Thunder are going to have to go all out. I mean, both teams are going to have to go all out. Um, and hopefully the Thunder don't have to give Terrence Ferguson five minutes that you can just play eight guys. But uh, I just, I don't know. I feel, feel, I did not feel confident heading into tonight for the Thunder to win. I have the same feelings for game seven, but I'm just, it's, it's astonishing that they even made it to a game seven against this particular team. And I, I've said this on Twitter. I mean, it's, it is wild that this is the furthest the Thunder have made it since Kevin Durant left. Because if you look at the talent stacked on this team compared to other years, I, I don't know that this is the team that you would choose to make it, and it's only one game further. It's not like they made it like two rounds further than than those teams did. But still, to get to a game seven, it's not something the Thunder have done in a long time, in four years. And so it's uh, just it's very it's just an impressive group. I mean, just they have the ability to continue to bounce back. And I wonder also about Shea because Shea's had two bad games in a row. Is he going to bounce back and like be able to? put in 25, 30 points in this next game. Because if he can, if he feels like, oh, I've got to step up and, and you know, fill, up, fill up the hole that I, that I left in this last game, like that could be a huge boost to this team. And I feel like Shea's been a guy that's done that throughout the season where he doesn't play well and he's going to come bounce back. So I'm, I'm intrigued to see if he can do that in a, in a pressurized game seven scenario. I'm just excited that the Warriors are going to uh, – the Warriors. The Warriors. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know what I'm doing right now? I'm on basketball reference looking up uh, past Rockets series in the playoffs. Mm. So I was trying to think, like, how many game sevens they've played in. Yeah. And there was obviously the one post Chris Paul's hamstring injury. Yeah. Yeah. And what else? That was a hell of a series. That was. When they lost to the Spurs, that was in six. I'm just wondering, because I felt the pressure tonight. I mean, thankfully, we have like someone like Chris Paul, who apparently does not feel pressure. But I'm just thinking, like, if the Thunder are up by eight in a game seven, that's a much different scenario than them being up eight in a game tonight, Yeah, like in, in game six. And I just want to see how the Rockets are re- going to respond. Because as I'm going back through – they lost in six to the Warriors in 2019. Like, I, 
the only one I'm finding is that game seven against the Warriors when they that was when they missed 27 threes in a row, right? Yeah, that was the one. Yes. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wonder. Um, I wonder where the pressure will be in game seven. Uh, it it's all in the rackets, right? It's on the yeah, rackets. it depends. It depends on like the first five minutes of the game how threes <laughs> will drop because they could they could really start by hitting everything and the pressure shifts immediately. I don't know. I mean, it is going to be now. Like I know that I'm saying this since probably game one of the series, but how can you ask more to this team? The Thunder. I mean, the the, the season was incredible. The playoffs have been awesome even if we had game five they they were still able to get to game six i mean when it's fair to say well whatever happens i'm just i'm just in love with this team because they they did some great things so i know that that it sucks to lose uh any like everyone want to win every game but i mean I'm happy for this season, no matter what happens on, on Wednesday. Now, if, if Wednesday we get a good game, great. It would be even more perfect. But I'm not sure. I'm, I have a sense of just, I'm okay with this team. I just had an amazing, amazing season. And nothing can ruin that. Really nothing. Is I mean, it, it weird? It, it kind of feels, so it feels like 2016 going into game six, except with like, a ton less pressure, but like I'm as excited for the opportunity in front of the team. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I remember, God, I remember listening to the Bill Simmons after game five and he was talking about it. Like it was a foregone conclusion. Like, Oh, they're going back to OKC. OKC is going to win it. I wonder how they're going to fate, like how they're going to look in the finals. And it was just this amazing opportunity that OKC had, OKC had, but as that game went on, you felt so much building pressure because you realized, oh my gosh, if we lose this, we have to go back to Golden State. <laughs> Whereas with this, I, I also feel like there's this amazing opportunity. Yeah, it's not making the finals, but it's beating the Rockets with oh, yeah, Russell right. Westbrook and James Harden. Like, what an opportunity that is after everything this team has gone through these last, I was about to say three years, but let's say a decade. Let's say 11 years. Yeah. Everything we've gone yeah. through, like what a send off that would be <laughs> for this like first era of Thunder basketball. So, yes, I agree with you, McKelly, that I'm going to be happy no matter what. But I'm very excited just that we are in the position to have yeah. this chance. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm excited too. I mean, they did everything to put themselves there, and it's it's good. It's great. This team did like everything they could to. To gave us the perfect season. And yeah, I mean, oh, and by what the happens, way, happens. The, uh, the other game seven that the Rockets have played, do you remember who it was against? Oh, oh the Clippers. The Los Angeles Clippers and Chris Paul. That was uh, after the game six with uh, Josh Smith and Corey Brewer. <laughs> yep. Wow. On the bench. Wow. <laughs> Memories. So uh, I think we're... I, we're Regardless of what happens, it's going to be a memorable Game 7 for the, for the Rockets one way or the other. They have not oh, yeah. been in this position very often, and this is a huge moment for especially Harden, I feel like. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, this could be franchise-defining for them. Like, it honestly could be. 
Because if they lose to the Oklahoma City Thunder, the team that they traded with, that's, I mean, that's, it's huge. Well, it sucks because it's only franchise defining with one outcome. Because if they win, it's like, okay, you made the second round, you get to go play the Lakers. Like, good luck. (laughs) It's like, not even like there's some big victory if they actually won the game seven. Mm -hmm. It would be great for their fans, obviously, and it would be very validating for Harden and if Russ has a good game. But man, the drop off that would occur with a loss, yeah, is just like so much more significant. Yeah, the sky is falling if they lose. I mean, that's I mean that's for real. Uh, Royce Young tweeted this: uh, Game six, fourth quarter. Chris Paul, fifteen points, five of seven shooting, three of three from three, zero turnovers. Westbrook and Harden, ten points on three of eleven shooting, one of four from three, three turnovers. I mean, that's just, that's, that's big time. I mean, for Chris Paul to just, I mean, he, he, it's cliche, but he willed the Thunder to win that game. I mean, he really did. And did you see Taylor Rooks just tweeted that Westbrook says he will be on a minutes restriction for game seven? Westbrook declared that himself? Yeah. Good. He's hurt. He's clearly hurt. But that's okay to say it. Well, I know, but it's just funny because, you know, what we were talking about last week. Just the <laughs> idea that, like, the Rockets were holding him out because they didn't really think they would need him. It's, I mean, it was always a ridiculous thought. Well, I, as I've said, like, Russell would not allow that. <laughs> Russell would not allow such behavior to occur. If he's 100%, he's going to go. And I think some of, I mean... I think some of this is that he he just doesn't he's just never dealt with something like this. He just doesn't know his body doesn't know how to to play anything but a hundred percent. But he's never had to try to do that on this type of injury. I mean, he's done it on lots of injuries and played through a lot in his career, and he deserves a ton of credit for that. And this is where you can also say like he's he's adjusting, and and honestly, he just doesn't have time to do it didn't have the time to make this happen. And I like really shame on the Rockets for putting out all that crap. It was like, uh, he's, he's more explosive than ever. Like, give me a break. Like we all saw him. He's not more explosive than ever. They put out like all these videos of him working out in the pool. And I don't know if you guys saw that, but it's just like, I mean, like that's, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing to yourself? Why are you doing that? Yeah. Why are you doing that to Russ, really? I mean, honestly, somebody coming out and saying he's more explosive than ever. That's just not true. It's not true. Yeah. Anyways, you guys got anything else? Any predictions for game seven? I'm I'm very, I'm very nervous about this. So my prediction was uh that the the Thunder would lose game five, win game six, and then toss up in game seven. That's my soft <laughs> prediction. So I'm sticking with that. Oh, wait, did uh, McKelly, you your your guess lost out? Yeah, you picked Rockets yeah. in six. Oh, too bad, too bad, too bad, yeah. too bad. <laughs> yeah, you like to be wrong, I, McKelly. Yeah, how does it oh, feel? I, I, I love, I love to be wrong. <laughs> now here's what's see that I I feel like Rockets in six was more justifiable than what Jay picked, which was Rockets in seven. Because why would you want them to get all the way to game seven and now Jay's going to pick against them? Yeah. Now Jay's going for the Rockets. How dare you, Jay? 
I'm feeling I'm feeling good. <laughs> well, this game was about the Thunder making you feel good. Well, about hey, their even, chances. We didn't even talk about uh, my favorite pet peeve, which is the starting lineup. We should just give them a few minutes because uh, in the first quarter, yeah, they were even. I think it was eight eight when uh, the first sub checked out. Yeah. And then in the third quarter, it started out like it, they were about to lose the game. And yeah. it started out the way it did in game five when I think they were, you know, were down eight, nine in, in that quarter or something. Um, and then they stabilized it. But, man, it was scary there for like two minutes. Yeah, it was. I mean, I felt that way the whole game. But it was. It was, man. Uh, game seven. Oh, I love I love game sevens. I love the Thunder get to be involved in a game seven. Uh, this series deserves a game seven. Like it just does. Just with the names alone, it deserves a game seven. And I'm glad that we get to, to witness it uh, Wednesday night. Uh, thanks so much for listening to our show. Make sure you follow Alex on Twitter at AlBabyCakes. Make sure that you follow McKelly on Twitter at MikeyBerra. Uh, thank you so much for listening. And we will talk to you guys again after game seven on Friday. <laughs>